This is the official podcast of the Pedaled Silk Road Monterrey's 2019. I'm Stefano, aka Calamaro, and the track that you're gonna listen is Super Touch from Bonus Points. Hello everybody and welcome to the official podcast of the Pedaled Silk Road Monterrey's 2019. This is Stefano, aka Calamaro, and I will walk through the new episode number three of this amazing edition of the podcast of the 2019. Whatever, I've said already everything before, so I don't have to say all the things again. Something that I need to say, as usual, again, is that you can follow everything you want about the Silk Road Mountain Race just in the social media. Go to Instagram and follow Silk Road Mountain Race or just go to Facebook and follow Silk Road Mountain Race or just go to silkroadmonterrace.cc to find everything and all the communication that you want to get and don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter. Another thing that you need to subscribe to is to this podcast. So if you are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Podbean, Tanin, whatever, you will know that you can follow us and you will receive alerts all the time that a new episode is live, usually on Tuesday. Pretty easy. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Easy peasy. Well, today's episode is pretty special and I like it a lot. Yes, I really like it a lot. We are gonna talk with, first of all, a couple, so father and son, that they will be newbies on the Silk Road Mountain Race, and then with a veteran of the race. Super easy, but this episode, people, really alert, spoiler alert, is gonna be pretty long. So be prepared, it's gonna be more or less one hour and a half. So you have to know it since the beginning. So first part that is gonna last more or less half an hour is gonna be my interview with Tim and Brett Van Koller newbies of the Silk Road Monterey's, but with a lot of adventure under their belts. So, from now till minute 32, let's say, is gonna be interviewing Brett and Tim Van Koller. Then the second part, from around minutes 33 slash 35, everything is gonna be written in the description below, is gonna be my interview with a veteran of the race. And I'm talking about Brandon Camarda. I hope that I really spelled it correct. Brandon Camarda, that is gonna tell us all his motivation for coming back on the Silk Road Mountain Race after last year that for him was really, really, really painful. So if you want some new, fresh motivation from the participants and some newbies of the Silk Road Mountain Race, listen to Tim and Brett. That is gonna happen straight after my first part. First, the presentation, introduction of Tim, and then an introduction from Brett, and then everything is gonna go smooth into the interview. From minute 35, then, Brandon is gonna be talking about his experience of last year and everything that is gonna be changing of last year. Talk to you later. So, yeah, Tim, tell us who you are. I guess the final year, so I was born in Zimbabwe, moved down to Cape Town in 1980, 
um, Cape is lovely then. Just do a lot of marathons, a lot of kayaking, a lot of triathlons. And then got then she moved up to Joburg. The MD kept on talking to me to move up there. Money was good. But after four years, I decided there must be a better way to make a living. So I bought a piece of ground um, on the border of Kruger National Park. I built a lot of bushwise safaris. Um, I then used to conduct safaris into Kruger Park. Um, I built the business up. Um, now I have a couple of guides working for me. So I'm able to do a lot more mountain biking and riding in that area. In fact, I can ride next to the Kruger Park border fence for about 150 kilometers, which is great. And what about you, Brett? Yeah, so I'm, I'm 46, uh, so not too much younger than my dad. So we, we've, had great, we've had a great relationship and, and gone on many adventures together. And I think we share equal passion for being being in the outdoors. Um, I'm married. I've got a um, great wife and, and two teenage boys, so, uh, you know, probably keep passing the legacy down and maybe in a couple of years time there'll be father son and grandson doing the silk road mountain bike race but we'll see where that goes um but yeah like my dad we probably happiest when we're outdoors um exercising and you know adventure racing endurance cycling it's what we love doing and you know neither of us have been to central asia before so the Silk Road mountain bike race seems like a, a wonderful adventure for us to go and do together. Yeah, actually, I have a question to ask you because you live, the both of you, you live in places where the outdoor is fantastic, but there could be as well some danger things. So I will start asking to Tim. So you said that you're actually riding close to the park and things like this. Are there lions outside there? Are you scared by the wild animals? And same thing that can actually affect the same thing to brats, right? How is animals fitting in your schedule of riding? Uh, yeah, I've been chased by elephants a couple of times. Um, no, no incidents with um, lions or leopards. Um, we often get buffalo, lion, a big five in front of the lodge in the garden. Um, so there's a curfew where I live that we're not allowed to be on the, on the roads between six um, in the evening until six in the morning. So it's an exciting place to live. Yes. But actually, I was reading around about yourself, guys, and I've read that you, Brett, you are actually, uh, you participated to several Ironman. Is it? Yeah, I think I was fortunate enough to have qualified for the Hawaiian Ironman um, back in 2005, um, which was a great experience. Um, but as you, you get a bit older and you know, you're running your own business and got a family with kids it's difficult to put the structured training in required to be competitive in an Ironman event um, but I still get to do a lot of exercise um, and I suppose keeping fit and so a, a long multi-stage race like this uh, suits sort of a more functional fitness capability and um, yeah you've got to put a bit more planning in and like Nelson Tree said, you know, it's not always the fittest guy that will win a race like this. You've got to be – there's so many different unknowns that can, can crop up, and so you need to be able to respond um, to different circumstances, and you need to push the mind up probably more than the body. So I'm hoping <laughs> that uh, we'll be 
Good Better finish. prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. I think that you are going to have a lot of space as well, not only for the mind strength, but also for the body strength. That's what I believe. And actually, you were actually pinpointing really something pretty interesting. So the thing is that uh, with the Silk Road Monterey's, you probably will need to, um, let's say, to take also some unknown things that are going to happen. And there is not really a way to trade for that. That's right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very worried about the cold and the ice and the snow. Where I live, the temperature drops down to nine degrees. The clients, not so much the clients, but the, the people living in Morris Park complain about the terrible cold snap we're having. <laughs> so, you know, some months our temperatures are normally up in the sort of high 30s. No 40s. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, going back to you, Tim, exactly. Um, also here, I heard some stories about your uh, wild adventures. And I heard some stories. Uh, maybe I can actually, uh, something like put the point there. Nelson told me that we are a great adventurer. So first of all, I would say, how did you guys decide to tackle this other adventure? And are you actually, I would not say scared, but nervous of that? Or do you think that actually in your life you have seen a lot that it makes you keep, let's say, a good balance between um, relax and tension in order to get to this new adventure that is the Silk Road Mountain Race? Yeah, no, no, I definitely think so. I don't think it's, it's, it's going to be hard. And like this is going to be a very strong sort of mental um, challenge. Um, and I'm very privileged to be able to ride it with my son. So I think a lot more nervous than being excited about entering the race. Really? Why so nervous? I know the hardship, but something, like I said, with the cold and the rain. The altitude. The altitude is also going to be a bit of an issue. Um, we haven't been able to put in as much training as we'd like to have done. We've both been suffering from the flu. I had a slip disc. I wasn't able to ride for 10 weeks. But... Yeah, yeah, I think also we, we know ourselves, we, we're quite competitive. And so if you fit, you go faster. If you unfit, you go slower. But you still tend to suffer. <laughs> so I think it's you find out a lot about yourself on a multi-stage race like this. And, you know, the fact that it is in a beautiful place and it's a venture, it's great. Um, but it's still, it's a race. And so we'll be trying our best. And I think in that, you just tend to suffer quite a bit when the going gets tough. So, yeah, I think we, we're nervous to see if we've got what it takes. Uh, we think we do, but you never know. And, um, yeah, so I think we, we're nervous, but we, we're super excited uh, to try and test the limits. Yeah, I just think in a long race like this, like you said, you always have problems that you can't anticipate. There are always a few issues that you need to sort out. Yeah, 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 definitely. Is it the first time that you are taking part to a race or to such an adventure as a couple, or you have already experience on that? Uh, we've done a few sort of long-distance uh, mountain bike races, 360 kilometers, 240 kilometers. Uh, we've done a bit of kayaking together, and we've done quite a bit of hiking in the mountains. Um, yeah, but this, this will be our first multi-stage or endurance ride that we do together. Um, yeah, so I think that's also it's going to be our first one together. So we'll we'll see if we uh, don't lose sense of humor with each other too many times along the route. And this race, I'll still probably learn, be learning something from my dad. Um, he's got a lot of grit, 
and determination. And so I, I hope I don't let him down. <laughs> it can show the same uh, level of determination and you know old school grit and, and keep going through the tough sections of it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, this is an amazing story, really, guys. Actually, knowing of yeah, father and son being together and taking part to this amazing adventure. But probably I can ask you also a question of the foundation of it. So how did it happen, actually? Uh, it was you, um, team, that actually... I would not say push, but something like a walk together with Brett in order to also himself take part of events and actually get into endurance sport or sports or adventure itself. Or it was actually Brett taking you, Tim, as an example to follow you on your on your track. So it was something like a bottom-up or a top-down thing? Top-down, I think a bit of both ways. There's definitely a lot of um, athlete that I am. He's got a lot of passion, but he's also got the physical attributes to, to do well. I've just got the passion and try hard. <laughs> so my dad's been, I suppose, the as a young boy, the sort of hero, the inspiration. Um, you know, I suppose I, I think that I, I have a bit more planning and a bit more, put a bit more science <laughs> in, into the training, so maybe it, Achieved a bit more um, on 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 paper, um, but my dad has has definitely led by example in terms of uh, passion and and commitment and and hard work and yeah, just old school grit. Um, so I've I've always tried to aspire to to follow that, I suppose, and put that into into whatever I do. So yeah, it's it's. It's going to be great to be out there together. And like my dad said earlier, what a privilege, you know, father and son to be able to do this. Um, you know, I think I'm going there to look after him, but he probably looking <laughs> <laughs> after me. But yeah, so there's been many of times when my dad's been on his crazy adventures and, and I've been on the end of the satellite phone, you know, and waiting patiently for him to call in and he doesn't call in. And so you worry and you think something's happened and you know he'll call you three days later and he's very relaxed and on some island off Mozambique or whatever um, so at least if I'm right alongside him <laughs> I, I won't have to worry and be at the end of the satellite phone so I'm looking forward to actually doing the adventure with him yeah great we're gonna actually take all also the anecdotal parts no worries so keep your anecdotes out there because they are gonna come the question um, but actually, you also there, you tackled something like a point that I really want to, to dig deep into it. So you said, you, you mentioned that you have such something like different personalities and different styles of riding and taking adventure itself. So tell me a bit more about that. So you already mentioned, Brett, there are a bit more the scientific planning part, while team, you are a bit more the adventure and instinct Part, but tell me more about that. How are you actually uh, planning to make the Silk Road Monte Race happen with these different sets of skills? Yeah. I'm definitely the one that let's get out there and do it. We must do it. Um, I don't like looking at the sort of nitty-gritties and planning it too much. It's a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather look at the bigger picture than the tiny bits to fit it all together and make it happen. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why we make quite a good team. Yeah, I think I'll definitely be looking at the map and 
taking control of the GPS and <laughs> the nutrition and, uh, you know, have a bit of a, a structured plan. But I think the, sometimes that can, that can trip you up because you get too fixated on that and you can't adapt well um, to changes to that plan. Um, whereas my dad just gets on with it and we'll just keep going. So hopefully we'll balance each other out and hopefully together we'll be stronger for that. I think in the, we, we've agreed in principle that my dad will look after the bikes and the mechanic side and I'll look after the nutrition and the, uh, the, sort of the, the medical uh, kit side of, of things. Do you think there's going to be any possibility for you to go into an argument or you think that you're going to be something like consistent enough and close enough to just make the things going really in a smooth way? Yeah, I definitely think so. And like we spent lots of time together and fishing and you know, yeah. being my son, we understand each other very well. Yeah, I don't think we'll break into an argument while we're out there, but there will be definitely a bit of you know, difference in opinion. My dad is just very easygoing and he just puts his head down and will keep riding. So if there's any frustration, it will probably be from my side and it'll probably be unfounded. But it's <laughs> part of growing up, I suppose. I think in the past, we only had the one issue. We were paddling down the um, Crocodile River, which is a border with Kruger National Park into Mozambique. Um, and we were a bit concerned about the crocodiles and the wild game. And I said, okay, what we'll do, we'll paddle it when it's in full flood. So we'll move fast. We shouldn't have an issue. Um, but unfortunately, a hippo took a bit of interest in us and chased us out the water. So we had hit for the bank, get out the kite, and run like crazy. Um, and my son had a few choice words to me after that, telling me, listen, you want your grandchildren to have a father, what do you think you're trying to do? I want to just to tell you this thing. Last time I have uh, the, the good friend of mine, Ari, that was also in my podcast. And he actually divides the planning routine in three different stages. There is the planning routine that is what if, that it, it happens when everything is well prepared. So if this happens, then that. If this other thing happens, then that. It's everything planned and it's everything there. Then there is the second layer when the things make are a bit more tight and is the oh shit thing, where you have to react even if you have a bit of space to, to move there, but still you need to react in order not to go completely crazy. And go completely crazy thing <laughs> is the I'm fucked where you have just stopped thinking and doing the first thing that comes into my mind. Listen to you guys, actually. It looks like, okay, I would actually take out the uh, the if-then, so the what-if part, because in this kind of situation, the what-if doesn't work. But seems like Brett is a bit more the oh-shit side of the planning, <laughs> while definitely Tim is the I'm-fucked part. The solution... Something like really tight solution for amazing, uh, yeah, for super difficult situation, isn't it? No, I think you spot on this, Fana, spot on. Yes, <laughs> perfect. Um, well, guys, you were actually talking about, okay, you are pretty competitive guys. You uh, you are there actually to, to suffer and to take the most out of it. Are you riding for winning the couple race or this is your objective out there? Um, <laughs> yeah, we'd love to win it. <laughs> we put the, the, the training and the preparation into being in a position to win it. I don't think so. But yeah, we're going to give it a great go. Um, but 
the objective is finished. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, I just want to add something on the thing that you were saying about the planning, the training, and everything like this. There is another friend of mine, John, that is also a friend of Ari, actually, so everybody's out there. And John took part last year to the Silk Road Monte Race, and on the podcast, he told me something like, you know what, training is for people without talent. <laughs> So I would say that this is a bit too extreme, really too extreme, but at least a good balance between good attitude, training and talent is the perfect mix to win. So yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll we'll see if we've got what it takes and we'll give it a good go. Okay, we are going to actually, once we are going to be out there, probably I'm going to ask you maybe at the end, what do you think about this quote for John directly? Let's say we are going to send him a message and say, okay, you know what? Brett and Tim thinks this about your quote. <laughs> no, we're expecting, we're expecting it to be tough. I mean, the fact that only a third of the field or somewhere around that number finished last year was part of the attraction for us to enter this year. So we're expecting it to be tough. and. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um just maybe another question that I wanted to ask you. There is because you already spot some things that are actually okay in let's say let's put it as it is about war issues. So the altitude, the cold weather, the rain, the hailstorms and things like this. But there is also something else that you're looking forward to that you're really you can't wait actually to I don't know to be on this bus or to check out the amazing landscape. There is something that you're really looking forward once that you will arrive. Actually, from now till when you will arrive to Kyrgyzstan. Yes, obviously looking at the lovely scenery, riding together on some of that single track, those lovely downhills that we had to look at. Not too keen on having to push the bicycles up and down the mountains, um, and obviously meeting the people there and the rest of the competitors. But spending time with my son is a big one for me. Yeah, just, yeah, I think being, being out in nature and uh, not needing to worry about email or <laughs> address any urgent issues at home, really you're quite spoiled to just be able to focus uh, on one thing in the wild, in the mountains. It's, it's actually, I find it a bit of a holiday for the mind. Um, and the ability to just focus on one thing for just under two weeks and, and to do it together with someone else. You know, that sort of saying that happiness is only realized if it's shared. You know, it's great to be sharing it with the, with the old man. Yes, exactly. If you want to have a pact with the devil, this would be, you know, not dealing with emails and just thinking about one thing and doing with your loved ones. Wow. I don't know, probably after a couple of days you will think about it, or probably after one week you're going to think about this thing in another way, but let's keep it for now. At the beginning it's like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For now we'll, we'll trick ourselves into believing <laughs> it's all going to be great. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you a, te a te technical question, really a nerdy thing. With what setup you're going to go riding it? Yeah, now I'm riding with a full suspension. I think it's going to be a bit easier on the washboards. Um, and a bit easier on the body. Um, Brett's going to be on a hardtail. Um, yeah. But I'm very comfortable on that bike and it's had many miles on it. And the nice thing is there's two of us. If my bum's a bit sore, I'll jump on his dual suspension and get him on the hardtail. So we've got some <laughs> options there, which is sort of, uh, also something to consider. <laughs> Um, okay, guys, we arrived actually at the point that I want to listen some of your best anecdotes 
of your experience in uh, riding in adventurous situation? I think that, Tim, you should start. Yeah, I've, um, I've done a lot of paddling. I paddled down the Zambezi River from Angola down to, uh, I was hoping to reach the sea, but I never got there. Um, when I was 18 years old, I worked on the Zambezi River, um, Churunda, which is a border post with Zambia, and promised myself that at some stage I'd paddle down the river. And in the age of uh, 54, once I'd got the lodge up and running, I decided it was time to do it. Uh, fortunately, Brett's a geologist and was doing a bit of exploratory work on the Angolan border. So I got a lift up with him, buried some food and medical kits on the way up there, and then put the kayak in the water and started paddling. So our total paddle distance was about 2,500 kilometers, and I paddled for close to, to two months. Um, a lot of the area when I started, all the locals would run away because they'd never seen a white person before. So that was quite interesting. And then um, when I got past Chirunda, which is a border post with Zambia, I was attacked by a crocodile. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Fortunately, the crocodile was more interested in the kayak than, than myself. So I was able to, I was close to the shoreline at that stage. So I was able to get out and retrieve the, the kayak, took it through to Harare, which is the capital of Zimbabwe, and fixed the kayak then started about 10 kilometers further down the river. By that stage, I paddled about 2,000 kilometers, so I thought lightning shouldn't strike twice. When I got into um, Kabora Basso, which is a big inland lake on the Zambezi River in Mozambique, um, I was advised that there were a lot of crocodiles. Uh, my intention was to paddle 10, 15 kilometers off the shore. But the one morning the wind was blowing, the waves were quite high, so I was only paddling about three k's off the shore. Um, something made me turn around, and the clock was coming. Um, it must have been about five meters, five and a half meters. It was bigger than the kite. Um, it was a long distance off, um, and you're not allowed to carry a firearm in Mozambique. So I just had a pencil flare with an American bear banger on the end. Um, I kept on saying to myself, Tim, wait till it gets close, wait till it gets close. When he did, I pulled the trigger, it didn't go off, it was spring-loaded, pulled the trigger, loaded it again, pulled the trigger, didn't go off. The second time, by that stage, the crocodile had come up fairly close to the car, so I thought I'd hit, try and hit it with the paddle. So when I went to hit it, he was a bit too far away, and I just touched the end of its nose, and then brought the paddle back and thought, now I'm going to really give it a good hard hit. And as I brought the paddle back, he came out the water at me, everything slowed down, Um very slow, like I was saying to myself, Tim, be careful, there's going to be a big impact here. Um, the clock opened his mouth, so I could see he's got a, um, a valve at the bottom of his throat there, and I thought if I can get the paddle down his throat, I should be all right. But as soon as I got the paddle into his mouth, it closed his mouth, bits of fiberglass came off the head into the paddle. Then everything went very quickly. Um, it knocked the cart, I fell upside down in the cart, so I was lying upside down in the cart, I could see the, the clock on the left-hand side, came up on the right-hand side, so I was in between, the clock, uh, kite was in between myself and the crocodile, and then decided, looked at the crocodile and decided, I don't want to see it coming, if it wants to eat me, you definitely don't want to see this thing coming towards me, so I turned my back on it, and just froze, and kept on saying to myself, keep still, Tim, don't move, don't move, and it could have been 10 minutes, it could have been 3 hours, I don't know, um, when I've been now, when I eventually turned around, the kayak had drifted off about 100 meters. Um, then I had to swim to the shoreline. I had uh, my life jacket on with my uh, GPS and um, satellite phone. Um, swimming towards the shoreline when I was about 
and at 200 meters from the shoreline, um, I kicked something with my foot, which I thought was a crocodile. I thought my time would come. Um, and went into shock. Um, I remember standing sort of chest deep in the water, seeing my toes in the sand, but couldn't understand why I couldn't move. So I was picking up one leg, putting it down the next leg, got onto the shoreline, and then when I, I was able to calm myself down, I phoned Brett and we organized the pickup for three days later because the nearest guys were about 280 kilometers. So those, are the, those are the kind of things I've, I've had to be on the end of the satellite phone. <laughs> Fortunately, we believe there's no crocodiles in Kyrgyzstan and we're a bit safer on a mountain bike than a kayak. So, uh, yeah, hence I introduced him to, to mountain biking probably just shortly after that, actually, yeah, with our cool. first race together. Uh, the Transbarbians, which is a 250k mountain bike race. And um, yeah, since then, my dad's just kept riding and riding. Yes, yes. Actually, it, it seems like uh, it seems like I also was reading it on the race manual that there's going to be any, some wild animals are going to be out there in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, but... yeah there last year there was one guy who said there were wolf, wolf yeah. tracks and and whatever you say. Yes, otherwise, actually, otherwise, the both of you, but mostly Tim, can save us all. I'm pretty sure of that. Will <laughs> be the plan, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps just an example of, of um, you know, my dad sort of grit, um, no pain, no gain um, attitude. One example there, um, I was supporting him. He was doing a a mountain bike race, 360Ks, called the Desert Dash from Vintuk, which is in Namibia, down to the coast of Swakopmund. And um, you, you were able to support by driving along uh, next to next to the riders for some sections, but that created a lot of dust. And my dad was cycling without um, glasses on. And probably about 70Ks to go, it was still dusk, um, you know, getting dark, and I noticed my dad weaving across the road and kept crashing, and I was suddenly worried that extreme, you know, exhaustion or fatigue and, you know, what, what's wrong, and I got to him, and, and he had actually turned almost blind from all the fine grit in his eyes, and he couldn't see anymore, um, but he wasn't prepared to stop. So I had an option, either I let him keep weaving across the road and crashing into bushes, or I borrowed a friend's bike and turned the, the, the red light on at the back of the bike. And then he just followed that red light. He, he, he could see enough to follow that red light and then finish the race. But yeah, he was, he was blind for probably about a week, um, you know, strong quarters in his eyes and whatever you to, to repair the the. the, the, the yeah, the lining of his eye that had basically worn out like sandpaper from all the grit. Um, but he finished the race, so he was chuffed. <laughs> Tim was not prepared to just scratch from the race, but he was prepared to get blind in order to finish it. What the hell? So, I, I'm, like I said, I'm there to look after him on this race. <laughs> so, we'll see. <laughs> Keep him calm. Come on, tell him that everything is gonna be alright. You don't need to risk your life or your uh, your eyes every time. You know, damn it. <laughs> you know, my my dad always says some of the best memories are created in adversity. 
So, you know, we should be creating some good memories while we're over there. For sure. <laughs> and I can tell you that we probably, we are probably going in a place with some adversity are going to come. So a lot of amazing memories are going to be created out there. For us and for everyone else there, yeah, for sure. Cool, guys. It was really great, great, great pleasure to talk with you. Do you want to add something out there, by the way? I think, you know, just to say uh, thanks a lot to Nelson Trees for, for putting a race like this together. Um, you know, my dad uh, broke his collarbone last year and had plates put into his collarbone after a mountain bike accident. And, and having this race to look forward to and, and plan for definitely helped the, the, the recovery process and speed up sort of the, you know, the, yeah, the recovery in general. Um, so, yeah, we, we chuffed that there are races like this out there. And it's also great for us poor South Africans to have a race that doesn't have a hefty entry fee. So <laughs> thanks for that, um, which allows us to get over there and, and, and participate. So, yeah, look forward to, looking forward to it. Let's hope we get through it. Yes, great, great. Um, is your, your shoulder doing better, by the way, Tim, now? Yes, it's much better. Thank you. That's why you actually decided to go for a full suspension, right? Yeah, <laughs> for the reasons. Cool, guys. It was really great, great, great pleasure to talk with you. And what else to say? Talk to you in the middle of August in Bishkek. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Great characters, what do you think? I'm really excited to go and find them and meet them in person and have a couple of beers with Tim and Brett and discuss about crocodiles and uh, going into the wild and sand into your eyes and things like this. This is the spirit, I think that we're gonna have a lot of fun out there, we'll try to stay really close to those two guys and get the most out of their voice. But yeah, as I was promising you, minute... 33. Let's take out the conversation with Brandon Camarda. Check it out. This episode is built up uh, with a dualism between newbies and veterans of the Silk Road Monte Race. So this time is the time of a veteran, if I can call you like this, Brandon. Can I? Um yeah, I think I'm like a yeah, I'm like a half veteran. I, I didn't didn't quite finish, but I think uh, being out there is is enough to to label yourself that at this point. Perfect. For sure, you're going to put into this piece of content a lot of experience of your experience of last year. But first of all, maybe, Brandon, if you can give us a small introduction about yourself, something like a couple of lines or even more. We have time. Yeah, so I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And I moved out to Seattle in the United States about four years ago. Uh, and that's like right around the time that I started riding bikes. I decided to like move out from the East Coast of the U.S. to the West Coast on a bicycle. At that point, I, I didn't really ride a bike for recreation at all. I, I just used it to kind of commute around town a little bit. Um, so that was sort of my first one, my first introduction to riding um and then also at the same time i kind of went into this longer distance touring um type of riding and and that's like really what got me into to cycling in general um i met a bunch of trans am racers w when i was riding the trans am out to the west coast and that's really when i i got into ultra distance racing i had no idea what it was before that um so I met Jesse Carlson and all of sort of the, the front 
folks who are racing that, they're actually coming the opposite direction. And I wasn't sure at that point if I was going to, you know, be a cyclist and, and go full in. It was just kind of this one adventure that I had um, just taken on uh, as a means of moving and having sort of a departure from my normal life. I had just finished seven years of being in university and um, was just trying to take some space before my next phase. Uh, but when I got out to Seattle, I was pretty much full in after that trip. It was like just planning you know, sort of longer distance rides um, for that first year I was here. And then I moved into more, um, you know, traditional. I started racing cyclocross and did a few road races and really just like went full in cycling. Um, and over the last four years, it's become pretty much my entire life. Now I work for, for Rafa um, here in Seattle. So my job is focused around cycling. Um, and, and yeah, it's been been a good process and so you would say actually and this would come actually on this path on my second question that the silk road mountain race participation for you last year and so something like subscription and then participation came uh just because out of a chance because you were following anyways anyways everything and then your friend spot this new first of all and completely different from any other um endurance bike race ultra endurance bike race and then he pointed out and then you said okay why not let's do it so it was just out of an opportunity it was not that you were planning it or you were looking for the right uh moment to subscribe to something like oh this. no not at all i mean so my friend who who i signed up with he was my roommate at the time and we worked we worked together as well so we were very saturated with each other and i just i remember you know walking into the kitchen and he so i i he was he's more of a road racer um like total fan of road racing and he i was always just talking his ear off about these ultras you know because we live together and during these races i'm just like every day talking about them so he knew that it was like a, a big thing that i was always watching and i just walked into the kitchen one day and he told me that he had signed up for this bike race he's also russian and so he's always wanted to go back and ride somewhere in that region of the world um, so i think that's really what caught his eye was just a way to get back to that part of the world and, and ride a bike and he just told me that he signed up for it and i was like i'm in <laughs> i think he kind of looked at me like i didn't really invite you but okay <laughs> um, and and i you know i think that to some degree i operate like that um very much just like i don't, you know, I, I'm definitely a calculated person. I'm not super spontaneous, but at the same time, um, there are certain things where I'm just like, I'm in. Um, and that's how I felt with this. So I didn't really, I didn't think about it for more than a couple seconds. It was very much like, oh, wow, like you're doing this. I'm jumping on that opportunity to make this happen. Um, probably thought about it for like two minutes. Like, is this something I can actually make happen? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Okay, great. So let's start from here. So you took this opportunity, you signed up for pre-signed up for the race, you were chosen to participate to that. And then once that happened, once I found out we were in, um, I went kind of full blown. I like I said, I'm not I am a planner. Like I I do like to prepare. I, I'm at this point in my life it's been really tough for me to put as much effort into preparing as I would have liked. Um, you know, I think it's always 
for me, working in the cycling industry and being in retail, summer months are super busy. Um, and last year, I dealt with a lot of injury, uh, just overuse injury. So, you know, in the beginning of 2018, I had I had about two months of the year where I couldn't ride a bike at all leading up to the Silk Road. And I also had never done anything quite like the Silk Road. So I had to put a lot of my time and effort into research and gear and planning all of the logistics. And I didn't get to put as much time into riding nearly as much as I had in the years past. So I think since I had started riding last year was probably the least I had ever ridden a bike. Um, and that was because of injury. It was because of work. It was because of all the time I was putting into research, uh, to, to, I mean, in, in my mind, I had a couple years of a lot of riding, um, under my belt. And I told myself that, and I still think this is true for a lot of people with the Silk Road, which is, you know, you can deal with riding. Um, you can push through being tired. You can like keep turning the pedals, but if you don't have the right gear with you and you're, you're in a sticky situation, like you're screwed. Um, and so I, I felt that it was really important to me to put a lot of my time into making sure I had the right pieces of equipment to deal with the circumstances. Um, and then the riding, I would just be able to deal with. Yes, pretty, pretty, pretty clear. And then you started actually then from this preparation, you started everything. You started, you, you got your setup, you landed to Bishkek, to Bishkek, sorry. And then the race started. It was pretty tough. As I've read, you got, um, stomach bugs, uh, dehydration, uh, other kind of sickness, cold weather, and everything. Give us a bit more, something like, uh, tell us a bit more, something like how the race was last year, and if you have some unforgettable moments on that. Yeah, yeah, I think one interesting thing too is like, for me, the lead up right before the race started, right before I left. Um, because to me, <clears throat> this being my first ultra, like, and especially with it being in a different country and being in, a country like Kyrgyzstan, um, I actually felt that one of the hardest parts was leading up to the race because I'm trying to dial my life in to be away for three weeks and get all my work things situated and get all of the logistics for the trip organized. And I started, I was so, I've never been so stressed out in my life. <laughs> I mean, like I think those two weeks leading up to leaving for, for Kyrgyzstan, I was having all kinds of funky body issues like my doctor thought i slipped a disc in my back because i was getting shooting pain it was we it was, it was bizarre stress-induced things that i've never really dealt with um and i i'm one of those people who i'm like um i'm not stressed i'm fine um and so it was really interesting for me to uh to just like experience this like high stress that I hadn't quite experienced before just from being nervous and um, trying to make sure that everything was like perfect before I left. Uh, so that was an interesting lead in. And then what was also sort of eye opening to me was that when I landed in Bishkek, all of these physical stress induced issues I was having with my shooting back pain and all of this stuff, it just went away. I remember 
I remember being on, you know, all of the flights, like the, you know, I guess it was 40 hours of travel just about to get there. And I was like super uncomfortable. All the issues were still there. I was having like dry skin, like weird peeling skin and pain all over. And, and it just, I, I got into Bishkek. I went to the, you know, the hostel where all the racers were um, meeting and I'm talking to everyone. Everyone's stressed out. Everyone's scared. Um, every, you know, I love the moments because I would ask folks if they had done it. Everyone's asking, have you ever done a race like this before? And everyone says no. And then five minutes later, I found out that like this person I'm talking to had raced the Tour Divide three times and done the TCR. And I'm like, what do you mean you haven't done anything like this? And they're like, this is totally different. <laughs> and it's it's hilarious to me because I I you know I'm like well I rode my bike leisurely across the United States that's about it I've never done any ultra bike race um, so it was fun to see just the different places that people came from in perspective but um, yeah so it, you know seeing that seeing that everyone else was in a similar place like my stress and just being there my stress just dissipated um, in a big way and then the race started um, and it's like once you start riding, you know, all of a sudden you're just like on a bike and doing this thing that you're very familiar with. Um, so like, I think when you're, when you're conceptualizing the race before it happens, it's very, it's very daunting. And then all of a sudden you're, you're doing, you're out there and you're doing the thing that you know very well and that you spent a lot of time doing. Um, and so it, it did feel very calming when the race actually started. Uh, and, you know, you're climbing up Kegeti Pass, which is a really challenging way to start the race. Um, weather rolled in. A lot of people were setting up camp at like 4 p.m. on the first day as it was hailing and, and just raining. Um, and, and I, yeah, I think it was, it was definitely a kick in the face um, because the altitude was tough. You know, I, I didn't, I don't have time to go out and acclimatize because I just, I'm maxing out the amount of time I can be away from work and life already. So I, you know, you fly in a couple of days before, hope your bike arrives, get it all built and then just go um, and hope, and hope you deal with the altitude as best as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I think <clears throat> from a perspective from the race, it's like, I kept telling myself before that it was going to be the, the hardest thing I had ever done and more. And, that, and everyone would ask me in Seattle, you know, before I left, like, how hard is it going to be? And I don't know. But what I, what I did know was, and my answer was always, I have no concept of how hard it's going to be. Um, and I meant that from a perspective of, I didn't think that I had ever done anything that would be comparable um and i just don't even i i don't know um because there's so many things that are unknown and i still feel like that going back for the second year i'm like way more prepared than i had ever been but i still feel like there's just so much you don't know so my experience last year was just one at, one day after another like <laughs> totally unexpected uh totally expect unexpected sort of result of 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 what you go through and what you can deal with like i think probably one of the things you read about maybe in one of the in the article i wrote uh, after is like you know i had a stretch 
kind of leading into me dropping out where I just didn't, I, I didn't have any water for like 24 plus hours because it's the stretch along the Chinese highway. I got super sick. I, it was one, so I know, you know, one of the highlights of my race was, was this moment where I'm descending down out of Beethoven. You, you kind of go into this valley, um, super pretty, super dry, super hot. Um, and you descend down. It was one of the few days I rode into the dark. I was trying not to do it too much because I felt like the terrain there is so rough. I just didn't feel like risking, you know, crashing to to ride in the dark. And it didn't seem worth it. I wanted to be smart for myself. And so I, I but I was descending down, uh, trying to find a place to to camp as as it was just, you know, at that point it was already dark. And this young boy was like waving me down, trying to get me to you know, stop. And so I do and speaks like very, very, very little English. We're in the middle of this valley. Um, and he like brings me in inside their house and their whole family's eating dinner and I eat with them. Um, and they're like, you know, we're having this broken conversation. Uh, I end up like staying in their house, the whole family and myself, baby, you know, grandsons, grandparents, we're all sleeping on the floor of this like concrete house with no windows and it's super cold out. Um, it was just a really interesting experience to really see um, how they live um, in these really little small farm villages. I mean, they're the only family. I think there's like maybe two families in that whole valley. Uh, so that was a super cool experience. Um, one, of, one of the funny moments actually was they, I was filtering my water. They just scoop, you know, they scoop water out of the river, which is crazy because it's right along, you know, runs right through all their cattle and everything. Um, They're making a joke about me having a weak stomach, you know, like American weak stomach. And so they're trying to get me to drink water and I'm very adamant, like I got to filter this. So they see me doing this whole filter process with my gravity filter and they're so curious to try it. And so I filtered a bunch of water and I dropped like an electrolyte hydration tablet into the water and it was a grape flavor. And hey, you know, the, the mom's like wanting to try, try some of this filtered water. They're just so curious. And so she gets the, the younger boy to like go grab my bottle and I turn, you know, I'm doing something on my bike and I turn around and they're all passing my water bottle around trying what they think is just filtered water. But in reality, it's like grape flavored electrolyte drink. And they are like blown away that like this filtration process created this grape flavored water. Um, and it was just like such a funny moment of them just being in awe. Like, how does this taste this way? Um, but yeah, I, the next stretch, I just, I hit a, a dry patch where one of the big lakes along the Chinese highway um, was, was dry uh, and, and there was just no water that whole next day. Um, and that, that really, you know, riding for that long, I got really sick from the food that I ate with the family, which was so important. So I just spent the whole next day throwing up, riding a washboard highway at 12,000 feet with no water and then camped that night. It was like the worst. Um, so, you know, again, just you can't prepare for anything. And, also, you learn a lot about the fact that you can ride for a long time with no water, and it's awful, but 
<laughs> I kept kind of having these moments of like, wow, I can't believe I'm still going. <laughs> exactly. What, what, which one was the trigger of for yourself subscribing again, going again to all the process and decided to participate to the Silk Road Monterey 2019 again? Yeah. You know, I got, I mean, I was so, so that day that I'm describing that night I camped with no water, I knew I was done. My, my ankle was totally cased. I couldn't paddle barely. Um, I had camped that night with no water. I just felt so bad. And then really the next day I woke up and I, I just couldn't pedal my bike at all. Um, my ankle, my Achilles, I was already having Achilles issues throughout that year, which was why I said I was out for two months. Um, and that injury just flared up to shooting pain. Um, I ended up, you know, after that race, I couldn't really walk for about two months. Um, I had my ankle braced up. And Achilles uh, injuries, if anyone's had them, knows they, they're, it's just, it's a bummer. It's like this tiny little thing that you just feel like shouldn't be as bad as it is. Um, so that's all to say that that next day when I knew I couldn't pedal my bike anymore, I was so mad because I knew, I, I remember dropping out and being like, I never want to do this again, like ever. I want to be done. And I know that if I drop out right now, like literally halfway through this thing, I am going to want to come back and I don't want to. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I tell myself like right there, I was at checkpoint two. I'm like, you're never doing this again. Like, don't do it. Don't let yourself do it. I wanted to write something down like that I could keep for the moment that I decided later down the road that I wanted to come back. And I just wanted to like, you know, letter from yourself currently in Kyrgyzstan at checkpoint two, do not let yourself sign back up for this thing. <laughs> uh, a letter to future Brandon. And, um, and yeah, I don't, you know, like it's exactly as it played out. Like I, I got home You know, everyone's asking me if I'm going to try and do it again. I'm like, no, there's no way. I don't, I don't want to really put myself through that. I don't think that this is for me. That's what I said. That's what I still say. Like, I don't think that this whole ultra bikepacking, totally destroying yourself thing is, is my thing. I want to enjoy it a little more. Um, a little more. Like, I definitely like pushing myself. But to me, when I was there, I was like, this is a different level. Like, this isn't like, it doesn't feel good for you. <laughs> <laughs> type deal um and and so but you know at the end of the day it's like i know myself enough and that's why i felt the need to like write my future self this letter it's like i was no 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 and then the second i i saw i remember pulling up instagram and seeing the silk road mountain race posting that signups were open and already in the back of my mind i was like i knew i was kind of considering doing it but as soon as i saw that i was like Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know, to be completely honest, what, why I just like swap, you know, and like, I just do it. I think I'm stubborn or something and just, I really want to finish it. Um, and I still am, am very aware that uh, it's a, it's a strong possibility that I won't finish again, because no matter how much preparation I do, there are so many things that I cannot control. And I just don't, um, I don't know how things are going to play out. So it's all, it just feels like, it feels stressful to 
to have so to some, to some degree you have control, but at the same time, I feel that with these types of things, you have so little control um, over how it's actually going to go. So it's like you do your very best to to go through all the steps to prepare. Um, you're never going to be able to do everything, and 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 you just kind of hope for the best, you know. Yes. So let's take a now so exactly at this moment i think that we are something like three weeks and a half away <laughs> from the start of the race so let's move on in this direction and the question that i want to ask you here is what about are you nervous like last year at this moment or all this kind of feeling just ran away for yes after the first participation so you know what to do kind of you kind of know what you are going to be expected there and uh yeah you are not as nervous as last year oh man no i am like more nervous than i was last year last year going in, really yeah going into it last year so it's different i it's different like i don't have i'm not having all these crazy stress like issues um that i had last year that are manifesting physically but i and Last year, I didn't know what to expect. So I only had, I think a lot of my stress last year was coming from life and work and trying to get everything set for, for three months or for three weeks that I was going to be gone for. Um, this year, it's like, I know exactly what it's going to be like. And that stresses me the hell out. Like, um, I, I, I think having that idea of what it is, I just like have these memories of moments where I'm, like, I have memories of moments that are just incredible And then I have memories of moments that are so uncomfortable. And so having those in my mind and knowing exactly what I'm putting myself into, you know, sometimes, yeah, I think it's, it's a, in a way it, it, it makes me more nervous. I'm not as stressed, but, but I think I'm more nervous. I, I don't know exactly how to clarify why there's a difference between those two, but that's, that's how I feel. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I have, been able to prepare so much more this year um, exactly tell me about that so how did you prepare this year different than last year actually listening to your words it seems like last year for you let's put it in that day it was the horrible year bicycle wise you had injuries you could not ride as much as you could you were you were actually pretty busy with work so you don't have you didn't have time to ride the bicycle also for this reason so it seems like last year you were not as good prepared as you wanted to While this year, what happened differently? Yeah, so, I mean, this year, one big thing I did that I've never done in my life was I got a coach. I've got a, a, I've got a tendency to, to overdo it and, and get injured, right, with overuse. And that comes from just like, ah, oh, I want to do this adventure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And then I end up, you know, I finish it or, I, you know, whatever it is. And then, then I end up kind of like off the bike for a while. Um, so this year I was like, all right, i finally, for the first time in my life, I have something on the bike that's my 100% focus for the year. This is all that I really care about doing. Um, so here, coach, tell me what I need to do to make sure that I'm as best as I can be for this one single event and everything else that I might, that crops up that I want to do in adventure with friends or, or whatever it is. Those things are all secondary to this one race. So keep me, keep me focused make sure that I don't do anything stupid. Um, and so that's what I did. You know, I had, a, I have a coach who's been super incredible to work with and has kept me focused. I haven't been hurt at all this year. I feel probably the best 
in regards to this type of effort than I've ever felt. I've definitely been faster in my life, but it's a, you know, a very different thing. Um, and so in that sense that I, I changed that I, I did very focused work to, to prepare my body. I, and I say to prepare my body for the best that I have ever been prepared to do something like this. I hundred percent believe that I've never been more, uh, fit in a perspective of like multi big days of riding. Uh, so so that's been great. And, and I didn't put as much focus into gear because I'm using all the same stuff I had last year. I made big bike changes. Um, I made big changes to my bike uh, last year. Like my gearing was way too challenging for the terrain. So I put easier gear. What did you have last year? Uh, last year I ran a 36 up front and I had a 42 as my easiest gear in the back, uh, which was, there's only a couple people I saw who were that steep or steeper and we were all on the struggle it was, it was challenging um i remember giving nelson shit because i saw him after kiggity pass like the second morning and i was like i roll up to him and like him and some of the media team are there i was like what the hell nelson i read your i read the guide i read the manual so many times and you recommended the gearing that i'm on and he was like which i was on a 3642 and he was like what did he say? He was like, no, 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 no. I, I recommended a 34, 46 or whatever. Like I had swapped the numbers around. I was like, in my, I, I spent the rest of the race being like, I am going to go find that manual and reread and make sure that I still, I'm still not convinced. I still think that he, I think he was the one that turned it around. Um, but it did, you know, it was, it was, it was funny. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I got back and I was like, and I've just learned a lot about, you know, it's just, you, you want to make things as easy as possible on yourself because there's so many other things that are going to be super challenging. So why, why like thread the needle on the line of like more challenging than not? So that's one thing I'm taking in this year is like, if I can air anywhere, you know, you got to be light, you got to like make a lot of cuts. You can't just bring everything all comfort, but at the same time, there's a few decisions you can make. And if you if you just like err on the side of easier than harder, it's just like you've got plenty of other things in that race that are going to be hard. So there's, you know, make make your life better wherever you can. Uh, so I did that with gearing, you know, and I, I put a suspension. I'm, I'm getting a mild, like a small suspension fork, which, you know, isn't like Jay Peterberry won that thing on 42s on a drop bar bike. That's insane to me. And, and it's like, you can't look at the gear that the, the top folks are running. It's like, to me, I just, I need to be as comfortable as possible because I'm going to be so uncomfortable in other ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's what I wanted to ask you. So you're going to go for at least a bit of suspensions there because yeah. Yeah. It, it wrecked me last year. I was doing it on drop bar. Um, my hands were messed up. It, I was, you know, I, yeah, I, it was doable. I wrote it all. But like it just wore me out. Um, so this year, my whole focus is just comfort as much as possible without buying a new bike. Like ideally, I would go buy a short travel, full carbon, super light hardtail uh, mountain bike. But I'm not going to go buy a new bike for it. So split the difference. Put a put flat bars on my bike instead of drop bars to make the a little bit easier on the hands. I am getting like a 
super small 40 mil travel fork from MRP that um, I'm hoping will take out some of the fatigue. Um, and yeah, you know, I, that will, I'll be able to put slightly bigger tires on nothing crazy compared to what I did last year, um, which I rode 2.1 um, max, max's pace, like sort of uh, cross country, you know, light tread, which I, I, I'm actually, I was going to go fat, fatter tires, but I actually think um, the suspension and the flat bars would do enough for me. I just rode like a mountain bike course on that bike rigid like two days ago, which wasn't the best, but it actually did pretty good. Um, so I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that'll be enough. And I really like the, the size of those tires for the mix of road and sort of straightaways that you actually have on the Silk Road. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the main changes. Gearing, uh, shoes is another big thing. Gearing and shoes are what the two things that I think led to my Achilles failure that actually led me to drop out of the race. I would have kept riding even though I was sick and dehydrated. Um, I think that it was super uncomfortable, but I would have just slowed my pace down and tried to recover. But my Achilles at the end of the day, I just could not pedal a bike at all. So I think that my gearing was too steep. So I was grinding up these long climbs. And then when I got off, I was wearing like, cross-country mountain bike race shoes that are super stiff and doing like the massive hike of bikes in those and I think that my personally my Achilles could not handle all of that stress so for me the two most important changes that I'm making to my bike is easier gearing so that I can spin more and, and ride more of the climbs before I get off and hike and then when I'm off the bike hiking I needed a shoe with a little bit more compliance to it a little more um flex um and so being that i work for rafa you know we released a new shoe that i'm gonna wear that um has a little it just has a little more flex there's probably other shoes for this case that would be even better that have a lot more hikeability um but i'm bringing like I, I, you know again thinking of all things comfort um i'm bringing like a super light pair of shoes as well that i'll be able to throw on if i've got a really long hike a bike to just give my feet a break from that carbon sole yeah yeah, yeah makes sense so you're gonna bring a spare spare shoes to go up to the hills a bit more in a comfortable way super light ones yeah yeah and that's my plan right now that could change uh depending when i actually get everything packed up but i i do have a pair of shoes that i'm i'm thinking about getting uh bringing with me yeah, because I think that actually the hiking, the hike, the hike, the biking, I don't know how to say that, but hiking the bike better uh, is a really important and crucial side of this race because you have a lot of long sectors where you have to jump out from the bicycle and walk with it. Oh, yeah. And, and again, so I'm in such a different place this year. Like last year, I was going in like race mentality, like cut the corners, make make yourself fast. And I just... I don't care about that this year. My whole, you know, it's like, I, of course you want to go in and you're doing a race and I'm like, I'm mildly competitive and I would love to do well, but I have to protect finishing first before anything. So there's a lot of decisions this year I'm making where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bigger on this and sacrifice like, you know, light and fast, but, um, you know, to me, it's like I got. I want to do everything to make sure that I finish, while still being light, still trying to be relatively fast. But 
I think it's hard enough to get to the end. There's so many things that stand in the way. So, you know, if I need to carry an extra pair of shoes to make sure that my Achilles can handle the, you know, 1900 Ks of this thing, then that's what I'm going to do. Yes. Yes. Uh, I would just wanted to ask a question that is related to what you, the, the, what you were saying. So about the training itself, because for sure, uh, this is a training that is special. That's special because it's completely different from any other training that you're doing. So my two questions here are, um, is your coach, experience in ultra endurance races that's why actually shaped your training in order for you to finish and to make it happen the silk road monte race 2019 and the second thing how do you really train for it so you just jump on the bike and go far and for a long time and uh, also camping and really experiencing the bike packing part or is it's also traditional training something like um, interval trainings and uh, all these kind of things that builds up that acts like a building block in your form in your shape yeah um yeah you know this is like super great question for my coach i i think one of the great things about having a coach is that um this year and and so i i, have, I come from a phys- physiology background me and my coach have a um have gotten a point where I think we communicate really well. I work really well with them. So we do get to wrap on, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And he kind of takes me into the, his thought process behind it. But uh, one of the things I really have loved about having a coach is that I don't think I just open my, my training peak staff where he gives me my workouts and I just do it. I love that because it's so much less work on my end and mental stress. I just follow the plan. But uh, so my coach, yeah, he's got experience with ultra endurance, uh, events, not quite like this. Like he comes from a different place. He's a cyclocross racer. He races enduro mountain bike race, uh, super, you know, super strong on the mountain bike side of things. And he also does like sort of these like weird adventures that he puts together. Like he does a salt, a summer solstice ride where he's done like crazy sort of big one day things where he like basically double Everest's um, uh, like super challenging mountain bike trail. Um, so he, he, he's got his own version of crazy most definitely, which is, you know, I've always followed him and been like, this guy does crazy stuff. He's just such a technical, really strong mountain biker and super fit athlete when it comes to cross racing and all this stuff. So I sought him out. Like, this is the guy, if anyone regionally out here is going to coach me, I want it to be him because he's got a good perspective on the physiology fit side um, on sort of the weird adventure side. He, I, I think it's almost to me, I like that blend better than someone who's just a hundred percent bike packer or a hundred percent road racer. Um, so, you know, what he had me doing was I started working with him in January uh, and, and I did a lot of traditional work. Um, <clears throat> he felt like my, you know, my sort of capacity for, an hour effort or so was, was pretty decent. And so what he wanted to do was up kind of up my ceiling. So we did a lot of, I did a lot of threshold work, like at that sort of five to 10 minute effort for the, the beginning of spring. And then I was doing really long, like, or not really long, like six hour, five to six hour, super hard rides, like full gas for five hours. Um, wow. And then I was doing in between that a lot of um, sort of work to increase my 10 minute effort. 
uh, so that I basically raise my ceiling because I have a big discrepancy or I don't have a big discrepancy. Like my 10 minute max wasn't that different than my hour max. Um, so, so what he wanted to do was raise my, raise my threshold for my 10 minute max to give me some room to up my hour max. Uh, that's, that's really vaguely the, the, the philosophy that we did uh, for a couple months in the beginning of the year. And then after about, you know, once it got to about June, I took all my power-based training, like, you know, staring at workouts and all this stuff just kind of started to go out the window and it became very much experiential time on the bike and, and getting used to the feeling of back-to-back -back big days. So at the start of June, it, it, a lot of my work became a focus on three to four day bikepacking trips. So I, I'm fortunate to live in Washington where you know we've got this beautiful mountain range, the Cascades right next to us that is packed with forest service roads that aren't all that different than the Silk Road mountain race. Like I think terrain wise, it's a little bit smoother, but, and it's not an altitude, but I get a lot of climbing. Um, and I, and I can mimic being pretty remote and, and it's nice cause I get a little bit of, you kind of go through a few small towns. So it's like, it's like a little, it's like a slightly more comfortable, but not an altitude version of what I'll experience there. So a little softer, nice way to ease in without destroying myself too much. So I spent time June, July, just doing uh, a couple, like three day, three to four day bike packing trips where I'm doing a similar distance and effort and time on the bike as to what I want to do out there. And then spread that in with a couple one day rides. And I, I've done a couple gravel races and mountain bike races that are about a hundred miles. Um, so those are like full gas efforts for, you know, a hundred miles of, of rough road and then spread that with like, you know, three 12 hour days riding as easy as I can. Um, so that's really been my preparation. Um, I, yeah, I just came off, like I did a hundred mile ridge, uh, mountain bike race on Saturday on a rigid bike and then had a day of rest. And then yesterday I did like a, you know, 12 hour, another 12 hour day on the bike. Uh, then a, a little bit of rest. I've got one more block left where next week I'll do three days of bike packing and then I'll have two weeks of rest before the race. Great. So yeah, it feels actually from your voice that you are pretty, pretty well prepared for this, at least mentally, you have a plan and you're gonna, you're gonna follow it. But in this kind of scenario, and actually with the memory on your experience of last year, there is still there something that frightens you or you are pretty, let's say confident on what is going to happen. Oh, I'm not confident on anything at all. Okay. Amazing. I'm, I'm I, honestly, I'm confident that I'm as strong as I can be and that I've ever been. You know, I, I freaking hope I don't get sick again. I hope I don't like spend six days throwing up and, you know, <laughs> trying to ride. And, and that's something that I am trying to control. You know, I'm taking probiotics. I'm going to try and be smart about what I eat. But I don't know. I don't know what got me sick last year. I hope that my Achilles holds up. But there's so much stress I'm placing on it that, you know, I just don't. I, I definitely, I will say I don't feel confident in anything except for the fact that I'm as strong as I've ever been. And I don't know if that's strong enough to deal with what I have to deal with. And it, to some degree, will take be, being lucky and maybe not getting sick or not getting that sick. Because last year I was really sick. <laughs> um, 
like I was like, you know, full blown every 10 minutes, having something come out of my body in some direction, nonstop uh, for, for days. And so I don't, I don't think that even with how strong I am, if I'm like unable to keep any nutrition in my body, any water in my body, I don't, I'm not strong enough to deal with that for two weeks almost. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I feel very confident that I've like kind of kicked ass personally from a, and I think that's why I'm, I'm happy I do these things because it gives me such direction in preparing my body. So I feel very, feel very strong for how my personal history of cycling, which is awesome. And that's reason enough to try and do this thing. Uh, it gave me a whole year of focus and, um, drive to prepare myself for something challenging which is great but at the end of the day it's like i just gotta kind of do my best try and be really smart and cross my fingers that things play out okay for me and that i feel i feel pretty good with my mental ability to to hang um i definitely like i'm not one of those people this is something interesting to to me i feel like an outsider in these races like i look at everyone else and I'm like, y'all are crazy. Like, you know, I'm like out there in the middle of the race and people are like, this is awesome. And I'm kind of like, this is shit. Like, this is nuts. And I'm not like one of those people who's in, I feel like, you know, I'm not inherently out there just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. It's so beautiful. It's really hard for me to take in the beauty while I'm out there. I try, I try to control my mindset and be like, you are lucky to be out here take a moment to look around you look where you are this is like a really incredible experience i don't really experience it that way fully i would love to like i want to be that person but in reality um i'm like in the shit and then i process it after the fact and then i start to have that appreciation um and so it's i think part of me and this is this is the answer to the question of what clicked between being like I'm never going back and and I'm signing up. It's like I think that part of me. It's like it's it's a it's a means to become more of the person that I want to be. Which is I want to be that person who, no matter how bad it is, I have that perspective. I I can sit back and and still appreciate what it is that I'm so lucky to be doing. And I don't think I'm there yet. Like I don't have that ability to separate how uncomfortable I am from how lucky I am in the moment. I can do it later. And so I'm, I think part of me going back is trying, trying to work towards becoming that type of person who can separate um, that, that very real in the moment perspective from the bigger perspective of what it is I'm actually doing. Yeah, interesting. Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. It's an amazing angle on the experience that you are going to live despite of the fact that you already have done it last year with the results that we talked about. Um, last question, probably. Probably. Um, if you would have to give one single tip, also because we already... Uh, find out that you are not going to participate to win this year. So having this in mind and having the possibility of giving only one tip to a newbie who is going to take part to the Silk Road Mountain Race, um, but with the goal in mind of finishing the race, 
what would it be? One tip. Just one tip. You have to, you have to keep your head positive and in the game and patient when everything is challenging because everyone will experience those moments of 150% rock bottom. But if, if, you can, if you can keep a, a, a good perspective in your mind when you're there, uh, you're, you're way more likely. And that's, you know, I say that my, you know, yeah, my Achilles failed and I was like, couldn't pedal a bike. And I feel that's true, but, um, you know, that's all like secondary. I would have dropped out way earlier if, if I hadn't been able to just be super focused and patient, which I do feel really good about what I did last year in that regard. So yeah, that would be my advice to the first the first timer is just focus on your mindset going into the race and during the race and, and be super diligent about trying to make sure that you, you have, um, you, I don't know. I don't know how you prepare that. You know, it's, I think it may, but it's like overlooked sometimes. Um, and yeah, that's like a, that's a character trait to me. That's, I think why I do these things. That's why I love these races. It's like, it's way more, you know, you could watch watch the Tour de France if you want to focus on a story that's purely like, you know, I, I love watching road racing. I'm a huge fan, but it's, you know, and so I'm not saying like, oh, like the Tour de France is, is not interesting. What I'm saying is that to me, these races are way, they're not, they're not like, a, it's a physical test, but it's like, yeah, like m way more than that. It's a character. It's a character test because you you just have to deal with so much. Um, and it's how you keep your mind in those in those situations. Great, Brandon. It was really an amazing and great chat with you today. Do you want to add something? Um, yeah. I mean, no, not not really. I think to me, just uh, my personal perspective is that yeah, I I think I want to. I'm, I'm the reason that I that I am interested in doing these things and that I want other people to to really understand is that it's just like it's this pursued and sort of developing character that um it's like i want to get closer to have that perspective that um that i would hope to have and it's it's something that this race stresses so much it's like you know now i'm, I'm kind of going off the rails here you can like totally cut this out <laughs> but it's like I, I i literally i always think about like you know if i like everyone's always, you know, you get your bike stolen or something. It's like you, you go into a, you lock your bike up outside of a restaurant, you go in to eat and you come out and your bike's gone. It's like, how do you, handle it? how do you handle that situation? I always want to be that person that's just like, that's fine. Like, yeah, my bike got stolen. It's a total bummer, but it, it's all going to be, it's all going to be all right. Like, I'm not going to freak out and lose my temper. And to me, like that little moment, like this race is like part of, I'm, I'm trying to get towards that being that person who's just calm and it's fine and it's not not the end of the world and I'm not going to lose my cool and let it ruin my day. Um, that's why I do this race is to to be able to be better at handling that moment when my bike gets stolen because like in reality if I can handle like any of the shit that that race throws at you and be okay then my perspective is like strong and you know anything when I get home that happens in life that would stress you out um it, it, you're just you're just able to have that per, have a better perspective for the rest of your life no matter what happens um 
and that's that's kind of like uh, it's like when I'm, I'm trying to make an example of like the, how what I'm searching for in this race translates into everyday life from you know the time you get back from this race forward super cool super cool i really like actually this example putting together this thing because it's pretty clear that in the silk road mountain race everything can happen and if you yeah if you lose your calm or you lose the perspective or okay i can fix it okay i can continue whatever you are done yeah yeah exactly and and we tend to focus on the race itself but to me it's like it's what you take home from the race and how that changes you as a person. That's what, that's what I'm most interested in for doing this. Perfect. I hope actually that we will continue exactly this conversation during the race when you're going to be there, you're going to be full gas on it and whatever. And I want to really see how the evolution of the Brandon into the Silk Road is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, when you see me out there, I want you to, freaking remind me of this conversation and be you know check in on how i'm doing like <laughs> am i am i holding am i developing what i hope to or am i being like whiny to myself and feeling sorry <laughs> uh well let's put it in that way whatever it happened and you're gonna be out there and i'm gonna <laughs> approach you to ask you any question if you think it's enough that i'm gonna be pretty pretty annoying you can tell it to me i will not tell to everybody okay this one was the guy that was telling me i will try not to lose my temper no i need i need you i need you to hold me to that man when you see me out there you need to be like remember that remember what you said to me three weeks before this race you're you're failing (laughs) i I need that realness (laughs) let's say okay for sure i'm gonna we're gonna start again this conversation probably in front of a beer at the end of the race cool as a cucumber thanks a lot man uh, it was really great pleasure to have this talk with you today absolutely thank you i'll see you see you in kyrgyzstan see you soon. yeah for sure see you soon ciao ciao all right bye such a great episode this time yes exciting times in front of us yeah i can't wait to be in bishkek bishkek 15th of August, so I can talk with all the people out there, all of you that you're gonna participate, everybody is gonna volunteer, everybody who is gonna just take part to the start and having fun on that, I can't wait, I can't wait, and also to share a bit of this kind of small philosophy that also Brandon has, and this kind of grit that team and Brad have, and to take advantage of everything and to keep on entertaining you if you want still to be entertained just don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you are in google podcast apple podcast spotify wherever you are shake it shake the subscribe button and everything is gonna be better and everything is gonna be there once that we are gonna go live with any single episode live of this podcast great adventures out there even if this is not the st- still not the last episode of this series of the pre-race there's still gonna be another one and you're gonna know of what is gonna be it's gonna be super fun i swear if you want to know anything else well any really thing else about the pedaled silk road monte race don't forget to go to the social media you will find everything there just look for silk road monte race and instagram facebook wherever you want you're gonna get a lot of info well right now i just have to say bye to everything talk to you next week